Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky, How Sondheim and Lapine Went Into the Woods, with me, Fenrir Malauer. Today's guest, Daniel Henning, the witch in James Lapine's blocking exercises. Once upon a time. Daniel Henning played the witch in James Lapine's blocking exercises. He also founded the Blank Theater in Hollywood and served as its artistic director for three decades, receiving nominations and trophies including the L.A. Drama Critics Circle Award, Los Angeles Weekly Award, Ovation Award, NAACP Theater Award, Backstage Garland Award, and the Dramalogue Award. He has been responsible for developing over 800 new plays at the Blank, including over 350 by the best teen writers in the nation, such as Tony winner Stephen Karam's first play when he was 17. Henning has directed at Lincoln Center, Laguna Playhouse, the 2017 Ovation Awards, and the Los Angeles City Council LGBT Heritage Month celebration at City Hall. He also acted in numerous roles on film and television and is an acclaimed audiobook narrator. And he serves on the Western Regional Council for the Entertainment Community Fund. I was there for a section of it. So, well, but you're the, so okay, so that, well, you tell, I think I'm understanding that in James Lapine's blocking exercise, sort of like quasi workshop, yes. Stephen Dolgenoff talked to me about having um, played the role of Jack in that, yes. those exercises, that you also were there playing the role of the witch? Yes, typecasting. Well, I mean, I wish they could see you right now. You're giving me, you're the witch I would cast. That's for sure. Um, yes, I played the witch. Um, so back this up for me, because like, I assume that you were not just one of the people brought in by Joanna Merlin to audition in earlier in 1987. No. Um, so I was exactly like Stephen said, I was yeah. a student at NYU. Um, and there was a notice up on the board, exactly as he beautifully described. Um, and that that happened. And I, I did a little like a little count back to see like when that would have actually been, um, because in my mind, it seemed like a time when there weren't a lot of people around, like it almost felt like summer, but it couldn't have been. It had to have been like, you know, it had to have been like the last week of September, first week of October, 86. Um, right. Because this is before they went to San Diego. James yeah. was seeing 
whether or not he could pull off the staging without a choreographer. He said, God, Daniel Henning is so fabulous in this role. I clearly don't need a choreographer. Then he got to San Diego and the powers that be said, no, actually, when we go to Broadway, you have to get somebody. Exactly. And I turned down the uh, the role of the witch on Broadway. So oh, cool. and, and you, I'm sure I'm sure you turned it down in all the revivals, too. Wait, I just need to correct <laughs> myself because I don't know if the powers that be said he needed a choreographer broad, for Broadway. It's possible that James in San Diego or Steve or somebody else. I don't know who who made the call, but then they did get a choreographer for Broadway. So okay, yeah. but in these okay. sessions with you, yeah, you, you so you responded to this. So not I was knowing what so it was. This, there was this notice, and um, and I feel like I did know that it was actually for Into the Woods, but you know, no one had really heard much about it. I feel like yeah. I did a little bit, but uh, I immediately I was a senior at NYU at the time. Um, and the way that NYU works is that you have, to, or at least at the time, I don't know now, but um, you had to take three years of studio. And I had been studying at Circle in the Square um, and it was my fourth year. And most people didn't take a fourth year of studio, but I wanted to. So I was on kind of like an independent study course. It was just me and Alec Mappa were the only fourth year students at Circle. Ah! <laughs> and um and alec and i i met alec at the auditions to nyu in san francisco Amazing. <laughs> so um and so i saw this thing and uh again i was like independent studies senior i was like well i got a call about that and made the call and uh and told to show up steven said it was nighttime and i always thought it was daytime but he might be right actually um because even looking at the dates, we were in, we had to have been in class, but, you know, although I was on this independent study thing, so I could even kind of pull out of a class if I didn't, if I had something else that was important to do. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was, at, it was at West Beth. What I understand or what I remember from what I understood was that they had, so we were at West Beth. That is where they did the New York rehearsals for the Old Globe production. Yes. And so they set the room up two weeks in advance. So it was like this working space for, you know, Paul to be there for Sondheim to come in and with a new song and him play it. And it was there. So even though we were we were we staged these things, we weren't there for the whole two weeks, but they were they were using it as like meeting rooms and it was taped out and, mm. you know, all of that stuff. So um, it, so there was a kind this of was a, like the brain, the brain central of Into the yeah, World. Yeah. And it was a very like this is not exactly the right word, but um it was a, there was a very casual feel to it. Mm. You know, it wasn't like we start at 9 a.m. or we start at 5 p.m. or whatever it was. It was like, you know, there was a time to start and you had to be there, but it wasn't like stage managers snapping their fingers and everyone hops up and goes to the work at five. It was because, you know, James would be talking to Sondheim or to Paul or to the, the thing and there would be discussions about stuff and, you know, and he was talking stuff out and or and Ira, of course, Ira Weitzman, of course, um, was there. Um, and, uh, um, and, um, so it was very like, we, I don't know, it felt like, it felt like we were all kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, workshop and something, you know, yeah. really, he really did. He, he gave us, you know, he, he, he staged us and moved us. Um, but it also felt, uh, it, it didn't feel collaborative, of course, because he was James Lapine and, there was Sondheim, you know, we were like, yes, sir, how high. Um, but, <laughs> um, but there was also something we were, there was respect given to us, you know, which was really lovely. And in fact, years later, six, seven years later or something, um, I ran into to James and I was like, excuse me, Mr. Lapine, I'm, I'm Danny Henning. And I, you know, and he's like, Danny. I know who you are. 
Wow. You know what I mean? Like he immediately, like he still remembered that. So that had mm. been, he remembered me and in that process, maybe it was just, you know, the 20 year old version of this playing the witch. Maybe that's what he remembered. <laughs> no, probably quite a sight. I wasn't even there and I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew me a little bit, but like not too long after that. Yeah, age. it was like, I guess, 94 when I met you, maybe or 93. 93, I think you were just yeah. going to Cal. You were just about to go to Cal. Yeah, yeah. Um, for anyone, I, this will be described anyway, but it should be said that you know, Daniel is the artistic director of the Blank Theater Company in Los Angeles for decades, <laughs> and um, that's where that's where we met. But you were already Daniel, not Danny, when I met. Yes, you. indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, um, so we did. You know, uh, you know, Steve, uh, Stephen was right, and you know, they gave us sides, and we did need them to write down the choreography, and um, and uh, and also perform them i mean because you know you can't really especially in the sondheim stuff you gotta perform the lyrics or you know what i mean we didn't we weren't required to sing them necessarily um although we were the melody was being played and i think paul might have been singing along as well but but we were you know expected to speak in rhythm and 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 that to be able to really get the the intricacies of the of the choreography down you know um so um, did you the first day that you show up were you just like assigned or did you audition or how did like how did they yeah, no it was the... just it was a, it was a it was not it <clears throat> they weren't you know they they weren't expecting me to sound like Bernadette right you know what I mean right. like it wasn't that it was yeah. I think it was literally you know uh, I think we were as, as Stephen said you know lined up and they were like you're Jack you're little red you know um I were there not help. enough women like were there other girls yes there no there wasn't the steward and you got to be the witch <laughs> <laughs> no they they um no they only had there were only six or eight of us Mm. Um, there were definitely the six leads and there may have been two others that were kind of, you know, the film because, you know, we did the first midnight. I'm pretty sure we did the second midnight. We did ever after, you know, so those are big numbers that require yeah. more than eight people. Um, and uh, um, and so there there was not a complete cast, as it were. Do you remember uh, anyone besides Steven? I don't, and I didn't remember him either uh, until that story. And I was so happy because, you know, like he mentioned in your podcast, like it, it's a little bit like, um, did that happen? Yeah. Did I actually go through that experience? Uh, yeah. But the one person I met, and and so I know it happened, um, and <laughs> we stayed, you know, we we all these years later, we still know each other, is, is Ira Weitzman. Mm. So I know it happened. Um, yeah. And I have a funny thing, which I'll tell you about um, from that, that like uh, something mm. that which is another reason why it rings very true in my head. Um, but yeah, so we 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 staged those numbers. We also did, um, we also, he said we did Boom Crunch, which we did, which I did. So weirdly enough, there was like suddenly one number that was just one person, which was me. Everything else was these big group numbers. But because it was tied to your fault, mm -hmm. it was, we staged all of that, including the little scene that right before it too. Um, uh, and so, um, and it's, I'm surprised that he didn't mention um, staging your fault because that to me is the most vibrant in my head because mm. I just watched the Broadway video just to kind of refresh myself. Yeah. Um, and I would say that in general, all of the staging of those numbers um, <clears throat> was a little bit more, um, uh, uh, it was a little bit, they were all fuller than they ended up being on Broadway. So they mm. pair. So his and they, and it was movement, not choreography. Right. Um, when you when you see that your fault, <clears throat> that is the bones of what we did. Um, but 
in fact, the original staging was more intricately loopy. Mm. Like one person going after one person and the other group going after the other and then mixing up in between. And it was a it was entirely circles within circles within circles within circles. And they that's there. That's the idea of that number now. But it was like, uh, uh, not to exaggerate, like four times more. Wow. So when it, when everybody went after each other, it's your fault. It's your fault. There was always a move forward. There was always a pushback. That it it circled around, and then when the four of them were, you know, and I feel like I feel like for half of it or something, um, Stephen wasn't there. Maybe he came late or something. I didn't know Stephen, but because I was part of the four in part of the staging of that, and then, you know, and then went back to my regularly scheduled role of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so it was very, it was even more elaborate than um, what it ended up being. Yeah. Uh, which was interesting because I, and, and I saw the original production, of course, and um, and I, I I didn't remember that it had changed, but then watching the video again, it was like, oh no, it's definitely less elaborate. Mm. Uh, but the same, absolutely the same idea. So, I mean, and I guess that's what maybe what Laura brought in was like, you know, paring it down a little bit to bring the, you know, um, but it's, there's more, they stand around more in that number yeah. than we did. Interesting. Um, and do you, how many days were you there? You know, I mean, three makes sense, but it could have been four or five. Um, you know, I, I know that I had time to get to know Ira. Um, I also had, um, which uh, I don't, now I'm, I have, I didn't realize we didn't all have this opportunity, but um, I got Ira to give me a script. Mm. So I took the script home the first night and I read the script. So I knew everything that was going on. Yeah. I, so I knew all of that stuff. Do you uh, still have it? I don't. I, I think I get, I'm pretty sure I gave it back to Ira. Oh, God damn. <laughs> um, one of the things actually, so here's my little, our little, my little joke with Ira. It's a ridiculously stupid story, but it's something that he and I have still have giggled about over the years. So the end of the first act, you know, and they were still working on it and, you know, and even on Broadway, they were still trying to figure out how to, how to give that, that curtain, you know, the right yeah. book. Um, and so I, I believe that it was originally written, sorry, my camera's a little out of focus. Hello, hello. hello. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I believe that the way that it was originally written was that um, the characters leave the stage and then, so it's an empty stage and then loud sounds and rumbling and then the beanstalk grows out of the stage and curtain, right? Mm. Um, so- For the end of the first act. Yes. And so they were uh, they were talking about that and trying to make that more, you know, the button, the first act button, the first act curtain moment. Um, and so Ira and I started just over in the corner quietly, you know, while James was doing something else, Paul or whatever. Um, uh, uh, we quietly went through like how, what that could be. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we give the first act that pack, that pound that it really needs? And um, finally we came up with that um, the cast would leave the stage and the beanstalk would grow out of the stage and riding it in a black sequin dress would be Yoko Ono. <laughs> <laughs> the giant's a woman! <laughs> 
Love that it. was our answer to how to beef up the the ending of the first act of Into the Woods. That that hit maker. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then she'd get to sing, you know, Boom Crash. Yeah, I, I'm here for it. She would have been a great witch. Um, so, what was what you were your impression? Well, she was. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Um, what which is the eye of the beholder? Um, what were your impressions of the piece at that time? You know, I was I was enamored with it. You know, um, I mean, it was it was such a I okay. So I was at the first preview and the opening night of Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> um, I had seen it many times during the run. Um, I was also at the um, Follies in concert when Mandy Patinkin effed up. Uh, uh, the uh, Buddy's Blues, yeah. Um, so um, watching him stop in the middle of it, you know, and I and I had and and I paid a lot of money for my ticket to that. There was a dinner afterwards that I was at, you know. So at, <laughs> at this point, I was I was very familiar with Sondheim and and his presence in the eighties. You yeah. know, I mean, certainly who he was before that, and Sweeney. I saw Angela Lansbury do Sweeney and that thing. Um, uh, but uh, and then so I recognized um, the departure that Into the Woods was for him. Even from Sunday in the Park. Yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it's it's just, you know, it's just a whole, I mean, it's fairy tales. And now he's telling like almost a family story, but in his own way, of course. Um, but, you know, and, and indeed it has turned out to be something you could take your kids to these all these years, you know, um, even though it's pretty dark, <laughs> yeah. um, which was, you know, Sondheim's way of doing fairy tales, you know, they right. would have to be dark. Like, why would he do, you know, he, he's not going to do the Jerry Herman version of that, you know. No. <laughs> Jerry Herman's into the woods. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just all takes place in the meat rack. <laughs> um, what... Uh... How did how did you feel about that departure uh, as a Sondheim fan? Uh, I thought it was an amazing next step, you know, um, you know, and I also knew James's work from, you know, falsetto, March of the Falsettos and um, that too. And, you know, so it just it seemed like a, a, a little surprising, but also like how magnificent. And I remember that first day, uh, you know, kind of like Stephen was saying, the. Um, the. Uh, uh, it, it was confusing because there were all of these fairy tales and how did they fit together, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I got to read the script. And so then I got to see, oh, this is how they fit together. This is really interesting. Um, and, you know, so I really enjoyed, you know, finally, like, um, you know, seeing all of that come together. Um, I mean, this was really the moment. I mean, when I think about this time in the fall of 86, in the um, history of Into the Woods, because they had done a year earlier a reading at Playwrights Horizons, right. and then a couple months earlier they had done a workshop at Playwrights Horizons. Oh, the first um, act only? Were they both first act only, or was it the whole thing? I think the workshop in June of '86 only had the score of Act One, but it had a script for Act Two as well. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, it had. It, it had a score and script for act one, but act two had no music. Um, kind of like, here we are. Um, but, um, I, for the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic. And as I told them, I am not. 
I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian-approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giants in the sky 50 and use code giants in the sky 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code giants in the sky 50 at factormeals.com slash giants in the sky 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, uh, but here, but, but it hadn't been staged. And how would they come together? And, you know, people, even in readings of very crystal clear plays, audiences in a reading are sometimes confused yeah because it's just people talking so for this the exact moment that into the woods is really you know transitioning from a piece that's been heard uh to going to san diego to starting those rehearsals at west beth two weeks after you to put the entire show up on its feet and this is the exact moment when james lapine is envisioning how this show actually comes to life in yeah. in motion and yeah. the fact that and it's so vivid and and uh amazing the way you've described it as this like you know i mean the word workshop has you know different meanings but it really seems like a lowercase w it's like james lapine's like theatrical workshop where it's just yeah. like you get there they've already been there you know they stayed late last night like they're having meetings there when you go home like this is the place where they are rolling up their sleeves it's a sandbox you know and what what a man and it's so odd because that's not really how we think of broadway um and woods was to become obviously this broadway staple but James Lapine was really fashioning it in his own artistic creative uh different way uh, you know, putting together these elements and um, how cool that you were one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, that, I mean, that is, I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. Cause that, that is, I think exactly what happened. And then of course, you know, the maestro would go home and do maestro things and then come back and 
give them to us as gifts. And, um, you know, and I know Stephen mentioned the, the, the giants in the sky. Well, I had, um, because I, I don't know, I've always been like this, but like, you know, I didn't get to those rehearsals at five o'clock. If the call was five, I was there at four 30 because who knows what might be going on in that room. And right. I knew the room was open and I knew they were doing this mm, kind of, yeah. you know? And so I was like, well, what happens if I get there a little early? Let me see. And, um, and so I walked in uh, one day at the top of rehearsal and there was no one in the room. Maybe there was a stage manager in the room, um, uh, but Paul and I, and I get, and it must've been like the third day or something. Cause Paul and I were chummy at this point too, Paul Ford. And, um, <clears throat> and I walked in the room and uh, his face lit up and he, he pointed his finger and he crooked his finger at me. He said, come here. And then he literally, pointed to the piano bench next to him. He said, sit down. And he said, you're the fourth person to hear this. And then he sang no more. Wow. And I wept. Yeah. Um, I had a difficult relationship with my father at that point. Um, I knew the play, so I knew the song in context. And there it was. And he was singing. And, the, you know, it was like Sondheim had heard it, obviously, and Lapine. And then Paul was number three. And then I was number four. Wow. And they didn't, it wasn't in rehearsal. He didn't, we didn't do it. It wasn't played. Yeah. So I don't think anybody else got to hear that experience, but I can tell you that no more was written and presented in those two, two weeks for sure. Amazing. And brand new song. Amazing. And, you know, and, and, and in even just seeing it again the other day on the video, you know, it's still just, even just telling the story right now, I'm getting like tingly, you know, yeah. like, I feel like that is something that I will, you know, forever hold in my heart, you know. Listen, you could that. make a case for that being one of Sondheim's best songs. I mean, certainly for a lot of people, it's their favorite and Into the Woods. Yeah, yeah. And it I was also want to circle back to something else you said that is really sitting with me is this, because um, people talk a lot about the departure for Sondheim at the beginning of the Lapine collaboration, you know, from mm -hmm. Merrily, from Hal Prince to Sunday in the Park with James Lapine. Um, but it's interesting thinking about this sort of, you know, uh, NYU senior 1980s lens on Sondheim, where Into the Woods is a departure from the Follies in Concert slash Sunday in the Park with George, because Follies in Concert has no Hal Prince. Follies in Concert has no Boris Aronson, has no Florence Klotz. There's yeah. nothing, um, uh, you know, production spectacular about Follies in Concert. Follies in Concert is about, you know, uh, Mandy Patinkin from Sunday in the Park with George, Howard McGillen from Sunday in the Park with George, right? It's Barbara Cook and George Hearn singing Too Many Mornings. It's not that different from Mandy and Bernadette singing, um, you know, uh, We Do Not Belong Together. And, yeah. you know, it's it, for this to be um, kind of the, the Sondheim milieu that uh, Little Red Riding Hood and Jack and the Beanstalk are suddenly like, you know, kind of like bursting into, uh, it really is a departure. And it's such an interesting, different uh, perspective, Ram. I'm so into that. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, you know, and I was super, I mean, I was, I mean, when I got to NYU, uh, I saw every show that opened on Broadway that first season that I was there. Because yeah. why not? I was from yeah. 
happened, right? Like I, I didn't get it. I mean, I did get to see Angela Lansbury and George Hearn do Sweeney Todd and tour in San Francisco, but like I was, you know, I didn't, and I saw Richard Burton do Camelot, uh, you know, in San Francisco, but in mm. general, you know, and to finally have the opportunity to see every show that opened on Broadway, including Marilyn and American Fable, which I saw five times. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, and it was partially to educate myself, you know, like, why did I see Marilyn that many times? Because I wanted to watch them try to fix this show. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they cut that, really? Oh, they put that number mm -hmm. in? You know, and I would go back to just watch those things happen. So, which is why I was, uh, you know, at the first preview of um, of Sunday, you know, because it was part of my, you know, my educating myself, you know. Absolutely. Uh, you know, That's what's and, always bothered me when you hear Sondheim and how Prince and other people from that crew, uh, I'll say it, bitch and moan about, um, you know, the sort of like Broadway, you know, uh, nastiness at the previews of Merrily Roll Along. And uh, I'm sure that it was a thing, but I'm also like, um, you know, a lot of those people were people like you at those previews of Merrily Roll Along yeah. who were like, wanted to, you know, see the masters do their work, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I love that. But listen, Moneybags, you went to the opening night of Sunday in the Park with George. Yes. Um, you went to five performances of Marilyn. Why didn't you fly to San Diego to see Into the Woods? <laughs> okay, well, first of all, I wasn't money bags. I was very clever about how I did all of that. Tell it all. Tell all. <laughs> uh, and then, but I was, I was, well, I'll, actually, I can answer that question because, so, you know, watching, I wasn't a director, I was an actor. Yeah. Uh, I had not really directed much, although later my mother told me that I had been kicked out of my babysitters when I was 10 for directing all the skits and the kids didn't, the other kids didn't like it. So <laughs> apparently I've always been a director, but I wasn't then. And so, you know, I did that Into the Woods thing because, hello, you know, it's Sondheim and Lapine and, you know, and a chance to be working on, you know, what I think was assumed was a Broadway show or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just that opportunity um, to further my education outside of my education at NYU, which was yeah. already great, but, you know, and I, and Circle in the Square Theater School was connected, you know, it's Circle in the Square on Broadway. So I was around a lot of Broadway shows and a lot of Broadway people and, you know, from Kane Mutiny Court Martial through all the stuff they did in the 80s at Circle. And then, um, and then, so I, I was, I was excited to be doing the, to playing the witch, you know, um, uh, and excited to be part of that process. But I also was excited to be, that's why I was like, can I see the script? you know, all of that stuff. Like I wanted to literally teach myself more yeah. about um, theater and about staging and all of that. So um, so it that inspired me um, to uh, explore directing and uh, more. So uh, right after that, it had to have been literally right after that, uh, it was announced that um, Circle in the Square um, theater was doing at the downtown theater because the uptown theater had um a shaw play that was a big hit that can extended so the, so they moved to the next production at circle downtown to the downtown theater on bleecker street and it was the world premiere of the widow claire starring matthew broderick and hallie foot and dan butler and eight-year-old sarah michelle geller um, <laughs> um, and I knew that was happening and I was my, it was my senior year and I had this sort of like, 
you know, you know, um, poo poo platter of uh, classes I was taking and, you know, and, and choosing the choosing what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, I know what I want to do. I want to be the assistant director on that show. And so from the experience of being with, with um, Lapine, I then went to Circle and Square Theater School and I was like, you need to get me a job on this show. And they're like, there's not a job on the show. And I was like, I'm paying a lot of tuition to you right now. <laughs> Make me a job. I don't need to be paid, but I want yeah. to do so then I became the assistant, Michael Lindsay Hogg's assistant um, on The Widow Claire, which was they it was had to have been like literally from, like a week after I did the End of the Woods stuff. So mm -hmm. the reason I didn't go to San Diego to see End of the Woods is because I was working an off-Broadway show. Yeah, uh, I was. on, I, And then I stayed with The Widow Claire as an ASM through, you know, the six month run or whatever. So wonderful. That's the answer. why. Wait, so how did <laughs> how did you finagle your way into the opening night of Sunday in the Park? Uh, you know what? I bought a ticket day of. There was just, you know, and it was front row mezzanine. I'd already seen it five or six times. So I knew that was going to be a great seat. Uh, it was front row <laughs> mezzanine. It was snowing. It was a very uh -huh. cold, snowy day. I happened to have a tuxedo. That was in the days when people actually dressed up to go mm. to the um, and wore tuxedos. So I had a tux so I wouldn't stand out, you know. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and I, that day I bought the, I guess I must've gone up to the box office cause that's how you did that then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I, um, uh, and I got the, cause you know, cancellations, right? So I yeah. basically bought a cancellation ticket to the opening night of Sunday, the Parker George. Amazing. Um, and, uh, okay. So then the Into the Woods goes to, um, the Old Globe, were you talking to Ira Weitzman or anybody else involved? Were you getting updates? Not so much. Uh, just things that might filter down through, because now I'm in the community. So like, you know, the, of course, the best the best information network in New York theater at that time were the box office treasurers. Really? Oh, yes. They all knew everything. They all talked to each other. They all knew what was going on amongst themselves. They, you know, absolutely. Like that was the, and they didn't have, they weren't invested other than, you know, being there and knowing it's all happening and the money flowing. So they really know what's happening or not yeah. happening. Yeah. So, um, and I was, uh, and I was, um, I had a good buddy who was, who I worked with at the Widow Claire. Um, and then he actually went over to run um, Little Shop at the Orpheum. And then he, mm -hmm and stay there for 30 years or something uh, uh and but he was like my little conduit to the like box office treasurer community yeah bitchy uh, bitchy box office treasurer community wow. God bless <laughs> not my friend my friend's not too bitchy but they all were <laughs> so do you do, like do you remember when you found out it was going to the martin back and that kind of stuff yeah absolutely um it was you know um uh it, it was again i probably heard it from within the you know within the um the community uh uh before it was sort of announced or what have you um but i definitely remember i remember the signs going up i remember the you know the um the beautiful because i hadn't really seen like key art from it or anything yeah and i was in the workshop i didn't say there was none of that yeah well it um, would have been different anyway the art in san diego was not the same as, is it? yeah um, yeah um yeah, I'm trying to see if they're, um, you know, they're, um, I think that, by the way, uh, I most of the cast was in place when we started rehearsal, but I don't think Ben Wright was actually cast yet. I mm. think they were still maybe working that out. So, you know, Stephen saying he wanted to, you know, audition for Jack. And of course, I yeah. had the same, you know, I had the same question and the same thing as well. And I think it was because 
he wasn't quite cast yet and we knew that so there was like a mm. little bit more you yeah. know opportunity that we might you know yeah. we weren't really we were speak singing we, um you know we weren't really singing singing um and i'm not sure how anyone can sing boom crunch but um yeah. <laughs> um uh, so, but, but the rest was like, we, I knew Ellen Foley was doing it. I know we, we, you know, that was part yeah. of it. maybe Ira was telling me these things. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Um, uh, I, I seem to sort of just connect into the, the information in the room a little bit more again, maybe from coming early and other stuff like that. Um, and what about the following year when, when the show, um, in 1987, I mean, the show closed at the old globe in January. Yeah. And then um, they wound up uh, doing another workshop at 890 Broadway uh, in July. Uh, so, you know, do, were you following sort of the story between, you know, January of 87 and July of 87? Not really. Um, that was my, you know, I was, that was my senior year at NYU. You know, I was like busy graduating yeah, and, yeah. And, and working off Broadway. Yeah. Um, so I was super, that was where my focus became there. Um, yeah. I, did, uh, I did see the Broadway production. I didn't see it a lot because by that point, I was then um, managing Circle in the Square downtown and mm. we were doing um, Oil City Symphony. Oh, uh, yeah. Ran for a year. Um, so even, I think I literally had to take the day off to do it, or maybe there was some random Thursday matinee or something that I was able to, that I didn't have a conflicting performance for, but I remember mm. the schedules were, were almost identical. Mm. We did the off Broadway. I think we did the five show weekend. Um, but uh, other than that, um, so I don't, so I, I only got to see that production once. Um, uh, I did also see the first national tour with a bunch of people who ended up being friends and some of them were friends at the time. And, you know, um, that was really cool too. Did you uh, see Cleo Lane? Yeah, was I saw, she incredible? Incredible. Well, I had seen, I had seen. My God, I'd seen Edwin Drood. Uh, I don't know, seven or eight times at that point. Wow. You know, um, just because I, you know, because they were all phenomenal, including Betty Buckley. Yeah, uh, she was. Oh my God, and Edwin Drood, she was truly remarkable. I also saw because I'd seen Song and Dance many times with Bernadette. I saw Bernadette's final performance in Song and Dance, and then I saw Betty Buckley's first performance in Song and Dance. Wait, that is that the legendary night that Betty belted the end of Unexpected Song? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, the funny thing was that, you know, because Bernadette was, you know, at that point, and she'd had a, you know, she had a lot of vocal trouble during Song and Dance. Right, that's um, Christina Bianco's hilarious Forbidden Broadway number, See Me on a Monday, please. <laughs> <laughs> um and and actually Bernadette had introduced me to her singing teacher who really helped her through that Adrian Angel and then she became my singing teacher mm. in that time as well but you know and and so she was you know she was sick in song and dance and then and the 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 video of Sunday um she did when she was sick yeah right that's why some of the vocals she overdubbed after yeah. the fact yeah yeah um and so but it was remarkable to see to see Bernadette's final performance where she you know, not a consonant to be found. You know, <laughs> it's all like, and she's weeping because she's leaving the show and it was yeah. so deeply personal and a one woman thing and she was breathtakingly phenomenal. And then and then Betty ended up being like the school marm version of- Oh, so I'm sure she, Betty will be so pleased to hear that. Um, okay, you, you criticize <laughs> Bernadette's with, diction. That makes my day. With, uh, with, with, but with an incredible, you know, with it, with it, it, it was a different heart. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was Bernadette. So it was, I wanted to see them both that close together to really compare. Wow, yeah. So, so it's like one night and then the following night? I think it was a Sunday and a Tuesday. I think wow. there was Monday off. God, what did you do on Monday? <laughs> Wondered what Betty Buckley would be doing with Song and Dance. Hilarious. Um, so, uh, well, around that time, I mean, I, I believe Song and Dance is why Betty did not go to the Old Globe. Um, oh, that would make sense. Sure, because she had done the Planet Horizons workshop uh, in June of '86, and then she did uh, of Into the Woods, and then in July of '87, she did the pre-Broadway workshop of Into the Woods as the witch. Um, right, right. And so you remember knowing that Betty was coming uh, in and um, was going to be the witch in Into the Woods. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I remember. And then <clears throat> at the time, it felt. <clears throat> quite sudden um that there was there was Betty Buckley and then there was Bernadette Peters. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was extremely sudden. Um let me ask you ha having played the witch yourself. Um was there a <laughs> sense before Bernadette's involvement that the witch was the starring role? Um well, <laughs> from my perspective, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Considering I am the, you know, the first, the first diva to have played that role in the. But, in the but you had the script. I mean, like you know, yeah. unlike Stephen Dolgenoff, you were going home and you were reading yeah. it. Yeah. And you know, at that time, I mean, the script that Ellen Foley had in San Diego, uh, she had Boom Crunch, but she had yeah. No Stay with Me, No Children Will Listen. Yeah. Yeah. It. I feel like I feel like yes there was a sense well if if she was the antagonist mm -hmm. you know and and they were the protagonist mm -hmm. you know all of them little red you yeah know. um and that was a and that was another thing that i found you know really interesting in sort of the structure of a musical or any piece of dramatic work to have like a, a an antagonist, but a group that is the protagonist. Mm, that's an interesting take on it. You know, um, that was a real, I felt, so the, so the witch role did stand out. Yeah. And Ellen Foley was a TV star, you know, so she was a star, you know. In, You're talking in, about the one season on Night Court before she was replaced? Yes, but at that moment, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was, right? You know what I mean? And that was part of it. It's like, oh, they have a TV star coming in to play the witch. So yeah. there was a sense that- That's a very gay take, Daniel. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure Ellen would love to hear that, but- um... <laughs> Not my take. That was what, you know, what, what was talked about. Like she I... was- she that was, sounds like hype. I don't think that they actually felt confident with the, that Ellen Foley. I think that, as a matter of fact, my suspicion is the reason they got replaced Ellen Foley was because they felt they needed a star. Well, it, you know, I, I mean, I don't know all of the intricacies inside yeah. of that. But, it, but, you know, and especially in the 80s when it was, there was sort of a bigger prejudice against California and theater. Um, yeah. uh, uh, I think that, 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 because I absolutely remember the idea that she was the TV star coming into this show. So maybe they thought like California needed a TV star or something. There was something about her being, you know, not, you know, above, not above, but um, uh, not a Broadway star, but a TV star. I that don't know, Daniel. She was a very experienced Broadway actor at that point. She just wasn't famous for I, it. I didn't. Uh, this is just at the time, that's what somebody said to me, that that was yeah. one of the things that they were excited about with her was that. Yeah. 
Um, was that and, person the publicist? <laughs> no, I mean, it could have been Ira. It could have yeah, been Ira. That's there, there, there were there were very few people in the room. Like I say, I mean, Paul and James and Ira and yeah. probably stage manager. And I don't think that there weren't a bunch of people around watching us. This right. was James's play box, you know? Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, you know, um, and, and, you know, and, and by the way, even the, the first midnight and ever after and, and, you know, um, there, uh, I, I feel like that was actually pared down from what we did too. um, like the, the yeah. first midnight there, we used the passerelle more. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so there were things in that, even though it's, it was fairly simple, it was even a little more simple on Broadway. Like they pulled back the passerelle work on the first midnight. Did and, you feel um, those were improvements, those sort of um, uh, reductions? Um, you know, I think that I, I think by the time it, it um, by the time I saw it, because now it's a year later, probably over a year later, um, uh, it, it's, um, uh, I had, now there's all kinds of new songs that, you know, and it was just a very, yeah. like, it was a, it was a, not different, but it was a, an expanded version of it. Mm -hmm. um, I And I, I kind of went to, even though I, I had said all this stuff about, I kept going to see these shows to like learn about how this was all done. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, this one, I went to, um, just as a fan mm -hmm. and to like, just bring my heart to this experience that yeah. I was now deeply personally connected to. Yeah. Um, and boom crunch was gone at that point too. So, so I, I remember just, well, I remember wanting to get to know more. I remember wanting to be on a non-judgmental journey. And because I knew that's where the show was going and that song had meant so much to me being the fourth person who ever heard it. Yeah. Um, I remember like the giddiness of like going back to the giddiness of like when I was a kid and going to theater and wanting, you know, I just was able to give my heart over to it. Mm. Um, and so I really, it was a seeing it and knowing that I had even the tiniest little part of that was profound for me. You that's know. beautiful. Um, thank you so much, Daniel. It is really, uh, you know, this show is so is so personal to so many people, you know, as fans and all the people that have done productions all over the place. And then it's so interesting to find, um, you know, a theater colleague uh, who I wouldn't have guessed has this, you know, strange, interesting, specific personal experience very intimately uh, with the creation of the show. So I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Well, you know, when when I first, you know, when I saw that you were doing this podcast and, you know, and I knew that I had this, you know, experience, I, you know, I thought about sort of <clears throat> saying something to you, but I was like, not Ellen Foley or <laughs> you or are Ellen Foley. Peters or whoever, you know, so I didn't even <laughs> like drop you a note and say, I have this really weird experience. Um, and, but then when I saw that you had the interview with Steven and listened to it, I was like, oh my God. Well, okay, I guess I have to confess I was the witch. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 you're forever changed in my eyes. Um, not a TV star like Ellen Foley, but a Broadway diva like <laughs> Betty Buckley. Um, uh, well, thank you for talking to me, Daniel. Anytime, my friend, anytime. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 44 with Felicia Rashad, Replacement Witch. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.